Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about US politics and the Trump presidency, or as we journalists call it, the gift that keeps on giving. I'm Freddie Gray, I'm Deputy Editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Jacob Halbrun, who is editor of The National Interest and also author of They Knew They Were Right, The Rise of the Neocons. And we're going to be discussing the appointment of John Bolton and what that says about where the Trump presidency is going. Jacob, we had the news yesterday that H.R. McMaster, the National Security Advisor, was out and John Bolton was in. This news has been circulating for a while that this was about to happen. I think National Interest, your journal, reported it first, I think, if I'm right. And it was finally confirmed amid a blizzard of other news yesterday, other very big news. And it stole probably, I'd say, most of the headlines, the fact that this Bolton, this mustachioed uber hawk, had come into the Trump administration at last. What was your first thought when you heard the news? Was it finally? What took him so long? Bolton had been angling for the job ever since Trump won the election. And in many ways, his muscular militarism is compatible with Trump's own America First doctrine. While Bolton has close relations with many neoconservatives, he tends to be more on the nationalist wing of the movement and very much in the mold of Donald Rumsfeld or Vice President Dick Cheney, who employed and promoted many neoconservatives, but were ambivalent, if not hostile, to the idea of trying to democratize foreign nations. Bolton is simply interested in regime change. That's an interesting point, because I think there's been quite a lot of it's become a sort of on D on Twitter to say, oh, you're quite wrong if you think Bolton is a neoconservative. And Edward Luce, the, I think, now former America correspondent for the Financial Times, said he was a paleoconservative like Dick Cheney and Donald Trump. Could you, as a bit of an expert on neoconservatism, having written a book about it, could you clarify where Bolton might fall on, or if there's a neoconservative spectrum, where he is? Well, these labels obviously only take you so far. And I don't think that Bolton is a paleoconservative, which is its own endangered species within the conservative movement, as you know. That tends to be more the Pat Buchanan isolationist wing. And Bolton is by no means an isolationist. Where he sees eye to eye with the neoconservatives is on an extremely active and interventionist foreign policy. And he sees constant threats abroad and is searching for a new evil empire to replace the Soviet threat. And he wants to establish American hegemony abroad at the point of a bayonet or nowadays a missile. So I think there is a good deal of overlap with the neocons. Interestingly, though, Bolton has become so extreme that even Max Boot has begun to warn that Bolton is over the top when it comes to foreign policy. Because if you followed Bolton's prescriptions, you would, if you were Trump, you would quickly engage in a two-front war against both North Korea and Iran to topple both regimes. He has explicitly called for this. That's the danger for Trump. He's taking... Two countries, one of which is largely contained by the American military presence and a system of alliances in East Asia. He's taking a, a relatively minor threat and elevating it to apocalyptic proportions. They're doing the same thing with Iran, which is even more, in a sense, uh, when it comes to its nuclear ambitions, Iran is even more contained than North Korea. 
North Korea is a problem, but you don't step on a landmine to cure a headache. That is what Bolton is proposing. In addition, he continues to maintain that we are absolutely justified to march into Iraq and that he would do it all over again. Yes, I mean, there's, there's another school of thought that, yes, he says very aggressive things on Fox News, but behind the aggressive front, there's a much more thinking realist. Would you go along with that in any way? Yeah, I've met and spoken with him several times and found him actually quite direct, personable and engaging. And I met him on the eve of the Iraq war with a bunch of editors in the Los Angeles Times. We met all, all of the main actors, including Carl Rove, Paul Wolfowitz, and others. And Bolton struck me, actually, as the most straightforward of the bunch. He made it clear that he wasn't interested in trying to democratize Iraq. He simply wanted to oust Saddam Hussein and then leave. But that would have left its own catastrophe behind as well. I think the question about Bolton has to be, if you look at the paper trail and the actual record in government, it doesn't really inspire confidence that he has the judgment to function effectively as a national security advisor. In fact, if he really were to act on his impulses and he does have a temper, then he would jeopardize American national security. Well, I suppose the consolation would be that he's just national security advisor. He isn't secretary of state, which he was meant to be when the Trump administration started. No, but that position is seated in the White House itself, and he will have more contact with the president than the secretary of state. And he's an agile bureaucratic operator. The real person who may be threatened by this is Secretary of Defense James Mattis. Yes, who tried to block him, as we understand. Right. Well, Mattis was operating a kind of troika with Tillerson and McMaster. They were trying to actually, the big threat that they were trying to contain was Donald Trump. I mean, how long do you think Mattis has got left now? We don't know. Trump does admire and respect him, partly because of his nickname of Mad Dog. He sees Mattis as a winner. I think one of the problems with trying to analyze this in traditional terms is that Trump really does see both domestic and foreign policy in terms of a reality television show. So what he does is he conducts casting calls. He's now in his third national security advisor. He sacked Rex Tillerson. He's looking for characters who can convey his message on television effectively. And in that sense, Bolton isn't a bad pick. He's quite articulate, and he will defend Trump tooth and nail on the various television shows. There's an interesting theory that, uh, I mean, I did a blog about it, but it wasn't my theory. Quite a few people have said it, that the reason Bolton was announced yesterday was that Trump actually was very angry about his spending bill going through, which was really, in many ways, a concession to the Democrats. And also there was the great stock market slide. So he was looking for a huge news generating story for, for good ratings or int ratings that don't bother him, rather than people focusing on the fact he's just lost to the Democrats on spending. Right. And there was the ex-Playboy playmate who appeared on CNN last night weeping as she recounted her months-long affair with Trump. So I think he was eager to get that off the news cycle as well. On the other hand, there are only so many people that he can fire. Well, I mean, it could just be a rotating door. I mean, that's the, what seems to be we, we're going towards. Now, it's possible, while this isn't good for American security, 
because you do want to have some consistency and how are we countering possible terrorist threats and so forth if the national security apparatus is in constant upheaval. But it is possible that Trump's base enjoys the turmoil that he is inflicting upon his staff. I mean, this is his traditional way of operating, and it is highly entertaining, as evidenced by our podcast here, Freddie. Yes, I mean, the listenership is roaring. Well, we're talking about Trump again, and that's what he likes. He's always the focus of attention. So you're saying the sort of the criminology of the White House is becoming mass entertainment? It definitely. Trump is a master showman that can never be forgotten. Where he runs up against into trouble is if he goes up against reality, as long as he doesn't actually embark upon a war, as long as it's the appearance of a war, then everything's fine. But if he actually were to launch a war, then things would get serious. Same thing happened to, in a sense, to George W. Bush. As long as the war in Afghanistan went well, and then in Iraq, he was popular. But once things went south, there was no way. And the Bush administration very much tried to milk the Iraq war in for, for propaganda purposes. But once the body bags start piling up, then the American public will lose its enthusiasm such as it is for Trump's antics. But I mean, so far, he hasn't actually been a hawkish president, really, has he? I mean, it's all been bluster. No, it's, it's all bluff and bombast. And the interesting thing is that in many ways, he's been less reckless so far than George W. Bush. And, and uh, I mean, it came out yesterday that he told uh, Bolton that he could have the job as long as he didn't start any wars. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether that's real or not. But do you think he's capable of, of managing people like Bolton? Or is he so impressionable that actually Bolton's enthusiasm for regime change will rub off on him? Well, Trump is sort of our Kaiser Wilhelm in the end. Very impulsive, lurching around in different directions. Will he stumble into a two-front war that Bolton eggs him on into conducting. You could see a scenario where the North Koreans storm out of a summit meeting or refuse to show up, or they lob a missile at South Korea and things start to escalate. We just don't know. I mean, the imponderable seems to happen so often in world events. How would Trump handle an actual crisis? Would he display deft management skills? Is there any reason to believe that he would be able to defuse a serious military crisis? And Bolton certainly would not be counseling a less confrontational course. He would argue for upping the ante and, and trying to intimidate foreign adversaries, which would probably be music to Trump's ears. Last week, I think Daniel McCarthy wrote on the Spectator USA site that Trump was now had a foreign policy team that looked a lot like Marco Rubio's dream foreign policy team. And of course, Marco Rubio was a favourite candidate of hawkish Washington. Do you get to a position where there's so many hawks in Trump's cabinet that they effectively are the George Bush steroids cabinet? Never mind if Trump resists them, he, he won't actually be able to that, that much. Yeah, well, we're definitely headed in that direction. I mean, Mattis is now the last person standing. And if Mattis were to resign or to be ousted by Trump and replaced by another one of these hawks, then we'd be even in, in deeper trouble. As it is, tensions with both North Korea and Iran are likely to escalate. And Bolton is also no fan of NATO. So it'll be very interesting to see how relations with the European allies proceed. And Trump is also embarking upon a trade war 
with China. So the real danger is how is he going to get Chinese cooperation on North Korea? So, you, I mean, in a sense, Bolton is an American firster, but not an isolationist type. That's, I mean, the opposite of that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a form, Arthur Schlesinger Jr., the historian, in 1951, popularized the term unilateralism. He said that the Republicans were no longer isolationists. They'd morphed into something even more dangerous, unilateral messianic crusades to reshape the rest of the world and establish American dominance and seek complete and utter annihilation of the enemy, victory or nothing else. And that does seem to be the credo that Trump is propounding. And that's John Bolton. Yeah. And will they actually act on it or not? I can tell you the foreign policy establishment, at least to judge by Twitter in Washington, D.C., is quaking in terror. A lot of them are delighted. Some of the hardliners. But it has been surprising to me how many people are not fans of Bolton. But I mean, that's interesting what you say about the establishment, because the foreign policy establishment, the sort of think tank foreign policy establishment, were very enthusiastic about McMaster when he came in, weren't they? Which probably instantly poisoned him with Trump. Yes. He also resented the fact that McMaster would try to brief him on world events. And he found this tedious and tiresome. And McMaster himself also, I guess he saw him as kind of a drill instructor. He just grew to detest him. Trump likes to have what he calls executive time. I don't know if you're familiar with that. The, the White House staff, you know, when they drop his daily chart, they put in chunks of what they call executive time. That means Trump gets to watch television. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, another interesting figure here is Kelly, who is a, another general and was sort of thought to be one of the grown-ups with McMaster and Tillotson. Um, and part of what you, you called that troika before. And yet he is, uh, I mean, perhaps more of an economic nationalist than people realised. He's not well, quite as part of the foreign of policy establishment well. as some I mean, people Bolton thought. Where do you see the relationship between Kelly and someone Bolton going? A much going? more aggressive operation at the NSC. It, it'll be interesting to see how he and Kelly relate. Though Kelly has been said to be on thin ice for months with Trump as well. Yeah. And Trump also just likes to try someone new. So I Is suspect Kelly will be gone. Of the sexual abuse allegations in the way. Right. The, uh, the speculation. But he also likes Trump conflict, doesn't he? He's point said that he likes staff, having two people we'll disagree four, with each other in front of him. It appeals to his playing different parts instincts. of the role and all reporting to him. But that could be another recipe, maybe a deliberate one, for chaos so that Trump can concentrate more power and authority in his own hands. I think what frustrated him over the first year was that he was treated somewhat like an infant by his own advisors. The adults in the room are being evicted. And the toddler is now taking over. Other news yesterday was, of course, that Trump's lawyer quit. Would you interpret that as a sort of legal team reshuffle uh, looking ahead towards a possible impeachment trial? Well, it signifies to me that Trump is in a lot of trouble. He brought on a very aggressive lawyer named Joe DiGenova, who is more of a polemicist. Fox News contributor, someone who can defend Trump publicly, but I don't think he has the chops to defend Trump legally. And John Dowd resigned in frustration because he felt that Trump wasn't listening to his advice. Trump wants to go under the attack against Mueller 
poison the well, argue that it's a witch hunt and attempt to win the PR battle. And he probably figures the worst is coming. So the more that he can taint the investigation and argue that the conclusions were cooked in advance, the more comfortable he'll feel. It'll be a knockdown, drag out battle. But that, again, is something that Trump is familiar with and likes to conduct. And it's been interesting that so far, a little bit last week, maybe, but so far, the rule seems to have been, don't attack Mueller himself. Don't suggest that Mueller is a closet Clintonite. But the gloves might be off on that front, you're saying? Absolutely. That rule has been discarded. And Trump has decided that his advisors were all wet and that it is time to go on the offensive. And he wants to uh, discredit Mueller to the fullest extent. At the same time, Trump is apparently eager to testify to Mueller and believes that he can persuade him of his own innocence, which his lawyers, such as Dowd, who resigned, think is harebrained. And a lot of it seems to come down to Fox. A lot of uh, Trump's appointments come down to people he sees on Fox. Is it possible to say now that Fox is essentially running America? Absolutely. Someone said, wrote that Trump is piloting the American airplane and the console in front of him reads Fox News. Yeah. Well, Jacob, we'll end it there. But perhaps on Monday, we should have a little conversation about the women in the Trump story, because that's heating up. And I think Stormy Daniels, the porn star who's alleged to have had an affair with President Trump, is doing a CBS interview. And I think people are getting quite excited about that. Yes, there is a veritable orgy of news about these events, Freddie. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a Spectator Moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. (laughs) 